Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum is on the air. Never send to know for whom the bell tolls. It tolls for thee. Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum is a call to arms for those American patriots who, in the tradition of our founding fathers, will stand up now to defend the Constitution and the liberties that it guarantees to each citizen, to each of us. That is our mission, to explain in a clear and concise manner the direct effect of each issue on the individual, on you personally not some anonymous being in a distant place, and to define in no uncertain terms the consequences of inaction. Let the battle begin. This is Dr. Dan. You know, not too long ago I read a book, a book called The Secret Soldiers, and it was about the long-range reconnaissance, reconnaissance patrol units during the Vietnam War. And it kind of got me thinking. You know, when you go back in history, uh, hundreds of years, before we had any kind of electronic communication, there still were attempts during wartime to gain information about what the enemy was doing. And of course, everything in that in that era, and those eras in the past had to be line of sight, and then the person who gained the information, the spy or the observer, had to travel by foot or horse or some means back to the lines of his uh, of his uh, men or or his unit to report on the position of troops in the field. For instance, during the Civil War, that's certainly what happened. Uh, as well as during the Revolutionary War, the War of Independence, and many of the wars in Europe for many years. So it was very much of a hands-on type thing. As opposed to nowadays, of course, we have satellites in the sky that can pretty much look into your backyard. I was looking at some of the uh, uh, satellite images of my own personal uh, home, and you can see my home, my cars, you can see my horses, the round pen, you could even see my truck in the driveway in front of the barn. And, and that's all done electronically. Well, it's kind of interesting that uh, during the Vietnam War, we were kind of in between. We could not, we did not have the satellite in the sky to take images and pictures, but we had to send actual men, real men out, sometimes even close to or behind enemy lines, to search out and see what the enemy was doing. And that's what this book on long-range patrols and long-range reconnaissance patrols was all about. It was stories, actual war stories, of small groups of men who put themselves in danger to go out behind enemy lines or where the enemy was and hide out gather information, and then sometimes if they were lucky, they could radio that information back, or sometimes they had to actually take it back personally. So that kind of got me thinking about today's guest. Uh, our, today's guest is retired Major Randy Allen, who is he, he's a retired major in the United States Army. 
He served our country for 39 years in the Army and the Army Reserve. He joined the Army in 1970. He began his career as a private. After eight years of enlisted service, he received a direct commission and served the balance of his career as an officer. And as a reserve officer, of course, he served in Desert Storm and in the Global War on Terrorism. So we have a gentleman here who has spent a lot of time uh, in the military. But what's of interest to us here today is that when he first went in the military, it was during the Vietnam War, and he was stationed in Vietnam, and he served as part of one of these long-range reconnaissance patrols that he trained for weeks to extricate a group of POWs who were being held captive in North Vietnam. So Randy Allen wrote a book about this that he called Season 5, and it's a book that I highly recommend. You can get it on Kindle. Uh, go to Amazon.com, and you can get uh, Season 5 uh, on your Kindle uh, machine. But my guest on the program is retired Major Randy Allen. So please welcome him. And, and Randy Allen, thank you so much for being a guest on Freedom Forum Radio. Thank you for having me here today and look forward to discussing uh, several issues with you on our show today. Well, Major Allen, uh, let's get a little, a little bit into your personal background. Tell us about yourself, uh, where did you grow up, and what made you join the military? Well, I was raised in Salisbury, North Carolina. I attended West Rowan High School. Uh, I was a, a decent athlete there. I played football, I wrestled, I ran track, and I played baseball some. And uh, I enjoyed the, the athletic competition, but I was not good enough at it to, to go on to, to be a college athlete or to, to earn a living doing it. But I knew I wanted to go to college when I, when I finished high school, but my parents could not afford to send me to high school. And, and in that day, uh, one, of the, one of the easiest ways to, to get your college paid for was to get on the GI Bill. So that's why I joined the military, uh, hoping to, to get myself in a position where I could attend college on the GI Bill. So you joined the military with the anticipation that you would get some training, uh, get some expertise, uh, serve your country, and as a result, you'd be able to go to college uh, because your your parents, you didn't think your parents could afford college, and, uh, and so you would use the GI Bill to get an education and uh, and go about your life. When you yes, sir. When, when you joined uh, the military, of course, Vietnam War was uh, still going on. What would you think about that? Yes, sir. Uh, I knew I would, I would be possibly putting my, myself on the line, but I, I joined the Army with a guaranteed MOS that I thought would keep me safe. And, and that looked really good until I got into basic training and uh, I met some gentlemen who were recruiting uh, 
people for, for a prototype ranger school, which the Army was preparing to transfer the LRRPs at that time to becoming enlisted rangers. Up until that time, the Army had rangers, but they were officers. The ranger school was for officers only. The LRRPs were trained hands-on in uh, in areas outside of our country, and they were getting ready to expand that school to, to include ranger training for enlisted guys. Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum will return right after a quick break. We're talking with uh, retired Major Randy Allen, who has written a book called Season 5. And the, the book is about the survivors, the eight survivors who survived, eight out of 32 men, who did a mission into North Vietnam behind enemy lines to rescue POWs. You know, the LRRP, which stands for Long Range Reconnaissance Patrols, okay, in the book I read about the LRRPs, or LERPs and LARPs, however you want to call them, uh, they mentioned that, that at that point, if you were an officer, you got ranger training. But when they were sending out these patrols, they felt that these guys needed extra training more than what you got in basic training. Because uh, they required you to do some things that uh, were kind of out of the ordinary, weren't they? Yes, sir. Uh, and primarily among other things, you know, the, the motto of the Rangers is we lead the way. And, and we do lead the way. And, and that's part of why we're out there being the eyes and ears of the Army. But you're also at a place where you're observing what's going on. Uh, and, and as much as anything else is, you're, you're learning to, to see with with more than just your eyesight, you you have to develop a uh, keen sense of of knowing if I see this, what does this mean in terms of this, and uh, and those are the kinds of things that that we really got good help with in our training because we had a great great group of men doing that training. You know, in the book that I read about. LRRPs, uh, they would go into an area, they'd be dropped off by by a helicopter, usually in a remote spot, and then they would have to uh, patrol their way into an area using stealth techniques. I mean, that was obviously important, was it not to, you had to get into your area of reconnaissance and without letting the enemy know that you were actually there. And right. they, and then they would set up, uh, they would set up a camp, uh, but it, they would see apparently that the, the North Vietnamese uh, and the VC would travel on paths through the woods, and you could see where these paths were. So the right. the LRRPs would set up far enough off the path so that they would not be seen, but that they could then observe and count how many people how many fighters had gone by, what kind of weapons they had, whether they had women with them, things of that nature, in order to give that information back uh, to the uh, to the command structure. Right. 
And then, and unfortunately, everyone... Quite, quite often, those LRRPs were positioned in places where we weren't. You know, we weren't in Laos. We weren't in Cambodia, but they were. Well, the, the, the military needed that kind of reconnaissance. They needed that firsthand information about what's going on. Because as you right. know, back back in the Vietnam War, just because it was supposed to be in Vietnam, the the Viet Cong didn't just didn't just stay in Vietnam. They would do everything they could to be elusive, to hide from the American military. So, as part of the long range patrols, what kind of training did they actually give you? Well. Obviously, the the movement in stealth. An, another fa- uh, factor that was was not appreciated as much as it probably should have been was the ability to understand the language of the people we would be observing, so that we could get a good feel for what they were talking about as they went by. Us. That uh, you know, there's a lot of information can be picked up in that way. Uh, and obviously, you know, just learning to to be observant to the point of of not ignoring clues that that you would see out there uh, that in your previous life you didn't consider those things significant, but you learn to to take everything into account, not just the the things that you thought were important, you, you learn to, to appreciate all of it. So you signed up for the specialized training, a training which would lead you to have skills that were really above and beyond the skills of a regular uh, infantry person, if you want to call them that, uh, in Vietnam. Uh, so Right. Uh the, the skills we had were certainly not skills that the infantryman would not have wanted and would not have used had he had them. Uh, but but it was it was enhanced training for us to, to take those skills another step further than the regular infantryman would have had. With the specialized training that you got, I know that we're going to be talking about the events in your book, Season 5, but before those events, did you go out on any long-range recon patrols? Actually, this this was our uh, test under fire, you might say. The, the last step in us earning our Black Beret. So, so this was, for the four of us who were in the first class, this was our uh, final exam. <laughs> that sounds like quite a final exam to have. So let's talk about what was your specific position. First of all, in the patrol that went out, how many men were in that patrol? Well, there were 32 of us who uh, were delivered into North Vietnam, and, and we went in by means of a halo jump which means high altitude, low opening. And uh, we actually jumped in from a C-141 at about 35,000 feet. 
And, of course, we had oxygen until we were down to around 9,000 feet. Uh, technically, we should have been able to breathe once we were below 13, but for a safety factor, they, they kept us on the oxygen for, for a few extra feet to, to be sure we were all okay. So your, your mission started as a halo jump, and certainly yeah. we know what that is. Of, did you say 35 men? And 32. 32 men, and four of you had been trained uh, in the specialized ranger training. Is that correct? That's correct, basically by the other 28 men. I see. Four of those men were medics because we anticipated that one of the needs we would have is that a lot of those POWs might have serious physical ailments that we would need very specialized medical services. So we took, uh, we, we were heavy on the medical side on our team. So you went in there with a bunch of trained uh, rangers. Uh, and what was your specific role, you personally? My role, we took four, uh, we call them jeeps, uh, <laughs> M15A wanted military vehicles in with us because we thought we, we probably would need those to transport those prisoners once we got them out of the facility about nine miles down to the coast where we would be uh, rendezvousing with a submarine to, to get them out of the area. And, and I was to be one of the drivers of the four vehicles. So you went in as a driver. You had four vehicles. Um, can you tell us a little bit about what were the what was the plan? So how, you were not eight or nine miles inland from the from the coast, and was this a prisoner of war camp or some kind of a camp that you expected to uh, get these uh, prisoners out of? Well, it was a way station, uh, a stopping point where they would when they were transferring prisoners. Around, I think, I think they have identified nine uh, major POW facilities in North Vietnam where they held prisoners. But quite often, they would be transferring those prisoners to the Hanoi Hilton, and this was a way station on the way to the Hanoi Hilton, and we had had surveillance photos of this for, for quite a while made by U2 photos. Uh, so, so we knew they had been using this facility and we, we had a, a pretty, pretty well determined pattern of usage once they opened it up. It wasn't always open. It would just be open for a number of days. And then as the prisoners were able to, to be, as they were able to move the prisoners, they would transfer them on into Hanoi from there. It was about about 20 miles from Hanoi. So was this particular mission planned to get a, a particular group of POWs, or was it just they were hoping to, to, to save and to free whoever was there at the time? As far as I know, it was particular to get whoever was there at that time. We were not given any information about any personalities 
being there, you know, any particular person, anything of that nature. Uh, all we knew we were going in after these, uh, we had observed that a minimum of six and possibly eight POWs who were there the morning that we left from Guam. And that concludes another episode of Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum. Join the battle on our website, www.drdansfreedomforum.com. The right to own private property that cannot be arbitrarily confiscated by the government is the moral right and constitutional basis for individual freedom. Yeah, when I played the hoochie-coochie man, I get joy in everything. Everything, everything, everything gonna be all right this morning.